We've been talking about making room for God. What we've been talking about the first two weeks is it's all about how you cast all of your care upon the Lord. And that's so important. We want to continue with this series, and I really want to start getting into how that you can live free from fear. God does not want fear anywhere close to you. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn, open it up to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. Let's start in verse 16. It says, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. Now, in the Greek language, you could translate it how that God has to us or that God has in us. You could really do it both ways in the Greek. But what I want you to see in this verse is we have known and believed the love that God has to us. You have to know that God loves you. You have to have revelation knowledge that God loves you in order for you to believe that. Every, every open door that fear has in anyone's life is a result of them not knowing that God loves them and is so concerned about them and will care for them and protect them and will see them through. If you don't know that, fear will always be able to come in. So this is a huge, huge scripture right here. It says, God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. So God wants you to dwell in love. You know what that means? That means you live free. Do you know if, if, if you, you know every time you get bummed out at all, feeling sorry for yourself, anytime you have to, you literally have to step out of the love of God to do that. Because the love of God is not concerned about itself. See, if I'm walking in love, I'm not concerned about myself. The love of God is only concerned about others. Everything God does is for you and I. It's never for him. Amen. See, if you're not concerned about yourself, you're free. And here's the cool thing. You don't have to be concerned about yourself. Are you, are you ready to shout? Because he's concerned about you. You never have to be concerned about yourself. Isn't that good news? And so when you realize anything you'll face in this life, you'll never face it alone. Never. Nothing can separate you from his love. And that's why God says things like, I've not given you a spirit of fear. I know it might feel inward, but it's not. Fear comes from the outside. And there's a way to shut the door on it all the time. Man, we could go home right now. But you guys love me too much to do that. There we go. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. Herein is our love. That word perfect means herein is our love brought to maturity. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Herein is our love brought to maturity that we may have, this word boldness could be translated confidence or assurance in the day of judgment. Now, this word judgment is the Greek word that means crisis. So your day of crisis is the 12th of December. But here in a few hours, your day of crisis will be the 13th of December. Right? Why is that? Because we're living in an unredeemed world and we have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's going to bring stuff. Jesus said, listen, in this life you're going to have tests, trials, pressures. He called it the Greek word affliction. But he goes, don't worry about that. I've overcome the world. The battle's not yours, it's mine. The victory's yours. Right? So the Bible says here, herein is our love made perfect. Herein. What do you mean, herein? 
Well, look at, look at verse 16 again. Herein, when you know and believe and dwell in the love of God, your love will be brought to maturity. Does that make sense? See, you got to know it. God wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to have such a strong belief in your heart that, he, 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 that you believe it doesn't matter what you see, you know that he loves you. You know that he's, he's moving in your life. You know, ultimately, if he said it, he will bring it to pass. This is so big. And then you step in. You not only know, not only believe, but now you make a decision to act on it and you dwell in the love of God. Do you see that? Do you see the progression? So I'm, I get revelation knowledge. Faith comes by hearing. But i got to believe that. Where, where do my beliefs come from, right? The things that I hear. So now I believe that God loves me. And now, as I walk through my day, I step into it. I dwell in it. Oh, man, somebody cuts me off or a friend does me wrong. And, and you know, my flesh wants to just jump out of the love walk. I go, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm dwelling in the love of God. Because I want to dwell in him and him in me. And as I do that, as the pressure comes to pull you out of the love of God, and you say no, your love is brought to maturity. Do you see that? So now let's keep going with this. And when it's brought to maturity, what happens now? I have confidence and I have assurance when a crisis comes in my life. I just, I just know. This is not something that's going to hurt me. It's not something that's going to set me back. This is like a gym. This is like I'm going to Pilates. This is like I'm going to go work out. It's going to make me stronger. Why? Because that thing that's coming against me, that crisis, I have boldness, I have confidence that I know God loves me and I know I'm dwelling in that love and that love is him and he's dwelling in me, which means that he's with me and he's going to see me through. I don't have to see me through. And the enemy could jump and go, well, how is this going to work out? I don't care. <laughs> right? Satan, I don't care. I just know it's going to work out. Amen. Well, how is your body going to get healed? I don't know. I don't care how. Do you, do you really care how? If you're sick, you get the flu, do you really care how you're healed? No. But Satan will get you worried about that how. When? And then he'll start talking to you about, you know, really, God, I mean, you know, how many times have you done him wrong? Maybe he's just going to leave you out this time. It's all lies, isn't it? It says, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Why? Because when you know and believe the love that God has, when you now dwell in love, which means you're dwelling in God and God's dwelling in you, and now you have this boldness in the day of crisis, look at what it says. Verse 17, can you read the rest of that? Can you believe what that says? Because as he is, I am so one with him now. As he is, so am I in this world. Not even, I mean, even if it said as he was when he walked the earth, he kicked butt and took names when he was here. But not even as he was. No, no, no. As he is the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords who said, now, listen, guys, it's a new day. All authority has been given to me in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Wow. See, do you see any fear in that? But it even gets better because then it says this. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. If you are in the love of God, well, how many believe that God loves you tonight? Okay. But see, when you know that you know that you know, so then would it be safe to say that tonight, right now, you're dwelling in love? And you're dwelling in God and God in you? So... As he is in the world, as he is now, so are you in this world. So this, this is awesome stuff. There is no fear in love. Perfect love. Love that is brought to maturity. Why? Because I dwell in love. I believe it and know it. 
perfect love, this kind of love, what does it do? It casts out fear. It casts out fear. Notice it doesn't say, I cast out fear. It says the love of God casts out the fear. What do I do? I rest. What do I do? How, how does that get casted out? Oh, Father, I thank you so much that you love me so much that I know I'm healed. I thank you that you love me so much that you've already provided everything that I'll ever need. That this, this financial setback that, that looks like a setback really isn't a setback because you're my provider. And not only, not only am I going to see that met, but I'll get much more beyond that. Actually, this whole thing is going to make me go further than I would have went had I not faced it. See, that's what we're talking about here. Do you sense a boldness that comes up in you? That's the Spirit of God. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment. Have you ever, ever been in fear? It'll torment you. Well, what if this happens? Well, what if this gets worse? Well, what if this spreads? You know, pastors will go to sleep tonight going, oh my gosh, sister so-and-so, she's, she's mad, and I know she's connected to eight other families in the church, and, and what are, you know, pretty soon, oh my gosh, we're going to have a church split. I've talked to pastors. Oh man, I'm in the middle of a church split. You know what I asked them? Oh, I'm sorry, what did you say? Church split. What I don't understand. He's like, it's a church split. You know what a church split is, right? Right? And I'm like, no, I, I, I'm sorry. I, well, let me, I, I go, where is it in the Bible? Can you just tell me where it is in the Bible? Well, it's, you know, it's not in the Bible. Well, then why are you looking at it? So half the people want to go. Bye, we love you, come back if you want to. But Joshua 1.5 is still true. No man will stand before you, pastor, to do what God's called you to do. Maybe God's moving them. Maybe they're moving for the wrong reasons. Ask God, he won't tell you. Why? Because he doesn't want you looking at that. He'll just tell you, listen, I'm your triumph, I'm your victory. What is your battle, right? I'm talking about a pastor right now, but we all have battles, right? But guess what? They're really not our battles. Jesus has already won them. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. See, we got to have a revelation of God's very nature, which is love, which means he never leaves me, he never forsakes me, and he always causes me to triumph. That's pretty powerful. And then we have the biblical principle, the foundation, foundational principle of our life here in eight words. We love him because he first loved us. There we go. Eight words to victory. That's it. We have the ability to love God because he loved us. Well, what does it mean to love God? It means that you do what he says. You want to be a doer of the word? Grow in a revelation that he loves you, and you'll, you'll do the word. Do you know why people don't honor God in their finances? By tithing and giving offerings? Because they don't, they're afraid. They're afraid, Why? Because they just don't know God is big enough for them to put him first in their finances and he'll still take care of them financially. Do you know why people don't forgive? Because they're afraid. How can I ever forgive that person? They damaged me. I just can't. They don't, they don't realize, no, 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 no. You're in God's love. Nothing can touch you anymore. Right? We can go down the list. If you're afraid of something, it is because the love of God has not been brought to maturity in your life. And why hasn't it? Because you're not dwelling in it. Why? Because I don't believe it. 
Why? Because I don't have revelation knowledge of how much he loves me. Throughout the Bible, it always talks about fear in connection with your question of God's concern for you. Every time when you just study, the, study fear in the Bible, any stories that you read, it's always connected with a person questioning God's concern for them. But when you settle that question, fear can't ever get in. So I would say tonight, we're just going to eradicate fear out of everybody's life. Amen. If you're fearful, doesn't it just wear you out? It's so foreign. It's like, wait, this is just not... There's nothing about my spirit man, there's nothing about my relationship with God that has anything to do with me being fearful. Whatever you're facing cannot take you out. Isn't that good news? That's, that's good news. If you're afraid of something, it's because love has not been made perfect. It hasn't been brought to maturity. What that means is this that you are just not convinced yet that God loves you enough to see you through. So what do you want to do to get in this? Surround yourself with people that have a revelation that God is good and that God loves them. Get yourself in the right environment. Make sure that the church you go to is preaching the word of God. And this nonsense about God blesses some and not others, and, and you know he puts stuff on people to teach them things, if, they, if they're not quoting scripture, don't buy that because it's not God's word. God is good all the time. God is with you always. I love that. If you are convinced that God will see you through, if you're convinced of that, there will never be any reason for you to fear. Can you live your life fearless? Absolutely. You were made to. Your spirit man is fearless. The battleground, what keeps people from dwelling in the love of God so that that perfect love, that love can be brought to maturity and cast out fear, what, that battlefield's right here. It's right in your mind. Right? We've talked a lot about that. Hebrews, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read this. But Hebrews 11.6, you know this scripture. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Oh, people make fun of people that always preach about faith. Make fun all you want. I know it pleases him. Amen. Amen? When we walk by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why? For he who comes to God must believe that he is. What do you mean by that? Must believe that he is who he said he is. He's your provider, he's your healer, he's your deliverer, he's your restorer, he's your high tower, he's your safe place of refuge, inaccessible place of refuge. He's the one that literally makes all things new, keeps all things fresh. He's the one that takes care of everything. I love that. I must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That means whenever I reach up, I know God's reaching down. i got to be convinced of that. Whenever I go through the fire, he's with me because he said he would be with me. He said that fire would not even kindle upon me. That means I go through things in life and I come out the other end and you can never tell that I ever went through anything. Wow. I wonder if when Joseph was second in command of the most powerful nation on the planet, I wonder if anybody came up and, 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 and talked to him about when he was in prison. No. There's no residual of that. I wonder if Daniel had any more trouble in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom after he went into the lion's den. The answer to that is absolutely none. You know why? Because everybody was dead who opposed him. I wonder if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I wonder if they went further because they went into that fire. Now, did God put them there? No. Nebuchadnezzar did. 
And I think he kind of regretted it because he sounded kind of freaked out about that whole thing. Hey, uh, there's four in there, right? And, the one, and one of them looks like the son of God. That's amazing, right? I mean, could you imagine a Nebuchadnezzar's office throne going, hey, guys, could, could I have a minute of your time? Three minutes earlier, he's going, don't you talk to me that way. Heat that furnace up seven times. This is, God not only wants you to have victory, but you'll come out of it without smelling anything like defeat. You won't look anything like defeat. This is what God has for you. We're talking about belief. We're talking about belief in God. We're talking about believing his word. We're talking about believing his character. You, can put, you could put all your trust in him because he can't fail you. The foundation of believing in God's character is you and I saying, he gave me his word. That's good enough for me. I'm not going to let the centurion, the Roman centurion, beat me. Oh, Lord, you don't have to come to my house to heal my servant. Just speak the word. See, I, if God said it, that it's settled in my life. Does that make sense? And that, that is how, that's the foundation of believing in his character, where you are saying, he said it. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to be concerned about this. I'm going to give it no thought. I'm just going to thank him for it. That's a person who's convinced that God loves them. You can never believe that God's will will come to pass in your life if you don't first know and believe that he cares enough about you to make it happen. Now, we're not talking about you making it happen. He cares enough about you. He will make it happen. What are you believing God for? Do you realize he doesn't expect you to make it happen? He will make it happen. That means that my life on this earth, when people look at my life, they will see what God has done for me. Not what I've done. You know, people run around, my faith this, and you know, I, it's because I quoted this and I just stood and I believed God and I got the, oh my goodness, what a ridiculous thing. Right? You wouldn't even have the lungs to breathe the air to the eyes to even see the word of God if it wasn't for him, right? He will see you through. The basis for fear is this. I must overcome fear so that my faith will work so that I can lay hold of the blessing of God. That that is the basis for fear because it's all dependent upon you and God wants you dependent upon him. Right? Paul said, I've, I have been and am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But he said, but this life I'm living in the, in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, yes, the basis for walking free from fear is saying that God loves me so much and I know that and I believe it and I dwell in it and now I don't have to overcome the fear in my life. The love of God that I'm dwelling in will cast it out. It can't even come close to me. And so now I know that the faith of God which he gave me will work so that my faith will lay hold of the blessing of God and bring it and deliver it right to me, the thing that he gave me by his grace. It's all him, it's not me. It's, see, there's a heart attitude. You've got to be careful where you're not dependent upon yourself because if you're dependent upon yourself, that means you're all about yourself. And I can't help out in church because I, 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 need, to, you know, I need to hear every service. And I, I really, I don't care. You know, I, I, just, I just need you to give me the word. And, and, you know, and I, I, I'm not going to give anything. Uh, I just want to take all the time. And, and that doesn't work. It just, that's not how you were created. 
But fear will get you there. When you think, when you think that, man, I'm in this situation and I have to get myself out of it. That's where fear is right there. Because at the end of the day, what if I fail? Right? So this is why we have to, as we talk about overcoming fear, it's all about having a revelation that God loves you. Knowing it to the point to where you believe it. Well, how do you know you believe it? Because you'll be speaking it. You'll be acting on it. That's how you dwell in it. And it'll give you a boldness and a confidence when you face a crisis. You'll face it in the name of Jesus. And you'll know that literally when you say in Jesus' name you have to leave, that it will. Right? The spirit of this world system is designed to make you fear. It's just designed to. Think, think about, you know, you go, you've had some pain in your body, and you go down, and you're getting all these tests, and then they tell you, I want you to go home, and we'll set an appointment that you could come in and talk to the doctor in three days. Right? And so now, what do you think about? Do you just not think about it at all and just go into the... No, people, what, what do people do? Oh my gosh, what if it's this? And what if it's that? And, and the enemy will bring, you know, sister so-and-so died and brother so-and-so died and this. And maybe, you know, and, and, and my grandfather had this and, you know, my great-grandfather had it too. And uh, my, my father had this and all my brothers got it. And, and, you know, oh my gosh. And all the symptoms I've been reading for nine hours on the internet, right? We laugh, but is that not true? And then you're already thinking, okay, well, if it is this, what am I going to do? And what if this and what if that? But that's not how a believer works. A believer goes down, takes the tests, and then when all those thoughts come, he takes them captive. Father, I thank you that you're with me. I thank you. I know you love me so much. You sent your word 2,000 years ago and healed me. So I thank you. I'm not going to, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to make a decision to take this care and let it go and give it to you. My whole life, all my trust is in you. I will not worry about this. I will not fret. Why? Because I know you love me and I know you're with me and I know if you said it, it's good. And if you said, by your stripes, I'm healed. If you said you carried this thing, bore my sickness and carried my pain, then I know it's done. I will not be moved by what I see or feel or hear or can see. I am only moved by what you said. That, that is a person who knows they love, that they're loved by God. God's word constantly talks about his compassion, his concern, and his care for you. It's all over the book. Compassion is all about care. Concern. Compassion is all about concern. Compassion is all about a willingness to protect, to provide whatever you need, and to deliver you out of situations. That's what it's all about. It, and that's what God is all about. The message of God's word is God is love. What that means is he cares for you and will see you through and will bring it to pass. Isn't that good news? Man, that's worth you coming tonight. God's word magnifies his love and his willingness to care for you. I love that. So run over to Hebrews chapter 2. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Say this with me. He loves me. He loves me. Therefore, Therefore I, will not fear. I will not fear. He's with me. Therefore, I will not fear. Isn't that good? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Look at what it says. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, 
He also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So now he delivered those who all their life through fear, delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. This word subject is a Greek, it was a Greek military term. It means to receive orders and to do what you are told. Jesus delivered us from that. Jesus came to set us free from being subject to the bondage of fear. Oh, fear will come in and, and it'll try to subject you. Hey, you are in trouble. You be fearful. I'm going to control what you're going to do tomorrow. I'm going to control your future. I'm going to mess up your family. You are subject to me. You have to know that God has delivered you and you're not subject to fear anymore. That Roman military term that says you got to obey it? No, 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 no. In Christ, it has to obey you. Spirit of fear, you get out of my life. I don't ever want to hear about that again. You're a loser, and I'm not going under. Right? This is, you got to understand that. 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul writing to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, what is, our, what, is, what is the DNA of our spirit? Power, love, and a sound mind. That means soundness of mind. Fear is a spirit, and the spirit of fear, it wants to determine how you think and what you do. It wants to determine everything for you. The spirit of fear operates to control us. It operates to dictate our lives. Fear will cause a person to act completely illogical. You know, what does it mean to act illogically? It means you know what to do logically, however emotionally you just can't do it. Have you ever been there? Fear literally will cause you to think and speak and act illogically. Have you ever been in a situation where you know what to do? I should be believing and speaking the word right now, but I am a mess emotionally and I just can't. That's all a lie. All you got to do is rise up in your spirit and say, in the name of Jesus, emotions, you calm down. Fear, in the name of Jesus, you leave my life right now, for it is written. I don't have a spirit of fear. I have a spirit of power and of love, and it brings soundness of mind to me. And I see things clearly. I am not the loser in this. I'm not going backwards. I'm already victorious. That's, it's a boldness. See, boldness comes from rising up from knowing God. Don't be arrogant. Arrogant comes from thinking you're all that. Well, guess what? Let's solve that problem right now. If you think you're all that, you're missing it. And, and you will know that in life. Satan loves it when people think they're all that. Right? Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 17, it says this. Ephesians 4, 17, and we're going to go through verse 18. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. This is Ephesians 4, verse 17 and 18. That you henceforth... Walk not as other Gentiles walk. How do they walk? How do people that don't know God walk? In the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened and being alienated or being a non-participant from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. And how does, how does all that happen? It says because of the blindness of their heart. Now this word blindness is really interesting because it literally in the Greek it means hardness of heart 
But it, it goes deeper than that. It means hardness because the person has been blindsided. Their heart is hard because it's like, it literally goes into the word picture because they've had their eyes gouged out of the sockets. It's a very violent term. Satan, what is this telling us? Satan tries to use this lost world system to gouge out your eyes. In other words, he's trying to separate you from your faith. Satan tries to lay experience after experience on our soul. He's going to lay experience after experience that is contrary to the word of God. He tries to lay it on your soul so that he can build a stronghold with it. Or I should get this right. So that he can have you with your mouth build a stronghold and take yourself captive. He tries to take us through ordeals that affect our personality. He tries to take us through ordeals that affect our, try to affect our identity, who we are in Christ, in a way that it tears our emotions to shreds so that we are so bound by past experience and we're blinded by it. He wants to take past experience and he wants to tear your emotions to shreds to the point where you can't see that you already are victorious, that you already are healed, and that God's with you. Everything that he does will try to tear your emotions to shreds to let you know that God might love everybody else but he just doesn't love you enough to be with you. Can't you feel that he's not there? Can't, look at this mess. Can't you? There's no way he's here, Satan will say, when all the time God's there and he's ready and he's concerned and he wants to protect you and provide for you and he has compassion on you and he wants to see you through. But he can't do it unless you let him. And then for you to let him, you have to know and believe and dwell in the fact that he loves you. Doesn't that all make sense? See, once blinded, we begin to see life through the pain of our past experience. You get going, you went through something really horrific, and then all of a sudden you're in something new, and something happens like what used to happen to you. I still remember when in ministering to high school youth, we were at, we had a, we just had a service. We would do like ski retreats and we were having our night service. And, uh, and literally this girl had a panic attack in our high school because she walked into a room in this three-story cabin and smelled something that took her back to when she was a younger girl and was sexually abused. The smell in her nostrils, she literally just crumbled and broke down, was in a fetal position, just crying hysterically. What is that? That's what Satan tries to do to people. He tries to get you to believe that this is the way it was and this is the way it always will be when God all over the book is saying, behold, I make all things new. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You're not going under. You're going over, and I'm the one who's going to get you over, not you, right? You're the more than conqueror. Jesus is the conqueror. In Isaiah 54, in verse 14, it says this. You don't have to turn there because of time's sake. I just want to read a few scriptures. So Isaiah 54, 14 is huge. It says, in righteousness shalt thou be established. That means in righteousness you'll be fixed and immovable. You'll be far from oppression. What's oppression? That's something that's coming to exercise hard control over you. It says in righteousness, you're fixed, you're immovable, you're far from oppression. Why? For you shall not fear. And from terror... For it shall not come near you. Wow. In 2 Corinthians 4, in verse 3 and 4, it says this. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4. But if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world has blinded. This Greek word blinded 
is different than the other one. It means, it means to blind, to blunt mental dis, uh, discernment. It means to darken the mind in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Guys, there's a part of this verse that is totally for people who don't believe in God. But I've got to tell you, there are a lot of Christians who have heard the word and are saying, I choose not to believe it, and their mind is still being blinded. Born again, spirit-filled, and they're, they're as blind as somebody who doesn't know God. we got to be careful. Man, when you believe God, it brings such light into your life. Hallelujah. So Romans 12.2 says this. Now we're going to start getting more into where we're going with this. Remember, this, is all, this, this battle is all fought in your mind. You have to renew your mind with the Word of God. You have to renovate your thinking with God's Word so that you can see who you are, so that you see who He is, in order for you to see things right. It says, don't be conformed or pressed into the mold of this world, but be transformed by the renewing or the renovation of your mind, by the renovation, the replacing, the replenishing, the refilling of your mind. That you may prove, that means that you may discern, see and know and identify what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. This is so important. God, you need to know God's will for your life. If you're sick, you need to know that's not his will. If you're in lack, you need to know that's not his will. If you're in emotional turmoil, depression, anxiety, you need to know that is not God's will for you. So you got to renew your mind. What is the foundation of renewing your mind? You abide in him by increasing your awareness of his indwelling presence in your life. This is the foundation. You constantly are becoming more and more aware of his indwelling presence in your life that he never leaves you, that he never forsakes you, and that you can trust him. That is the foundation of my life. And when my house is built on that rock, that revelation, the storms could come, and it doesn't even rock the house. It doesn't move my house. This is what we're talking about. Guys, we are a body of believers we are equipped with the word of God. We're developing in spirit. The, the anointing is growing in our life to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And we're a people that will never be moved. That's who we are in him. So now we have to talk about some things because there's three levels of, of a spiritual attack that comes against your mind. You have the first level, and I've, I've talk, I'm sure I've talked about this before. I don't, I don't know what series that would be in. But, but he comes, the level, the first level is in the realm of your thought life. He wants to control your thoughts so that he can build the second level, vain imaginations in your mind. So that he can build the third level and get a stronghold in your life right? You got to understand this. So let's look at a vain imagination. Vain imaginations will cause behavior that deviates from the way God intends or mandates in his word. It'll cause you to do things that are contrary to the word of God. Why? Because you're created to say what you see and, and move towards what you see. So he will, I mean, our mind is made in such a way, he wants to capture your imagination so that he can show you a picture of your life that is looking like something else than what God's word says. And all your behavior comes out of your imagination. You have a problem with alcohol? 
problem with drugs, of any kind of addiction in any way, it's coming out of your imagination. Your behavior comes out of that. So Satan knows if he could build a vain imagination, he, he has you. Because now your behavior, you'll walk a certain way. And then what, what the enemy will do is create all these circumstances. Man, if you're trying to overcome something in your life, he'll bring people out of your past from 20 years ago to try to pull you back in something. Because as you walk out that behavior over and over and over, what you're doing is he's building a stronghold in your mind to take you captive. And I'm here to tell you, the anointing, just destroys strongholds. Wrong behavior comes from wrong thinking, which is a product of the imagination that has not been renewed by the Word of God and hasn't been weaned. you got to wean your mind. Why? Because you grew up you had a paper route and you did this work and then you got paid. And then you detasseled corn and, and at the end of this time you got paid. And pretty soon you had a job, you're mowing lawns, and you would do something to get something and do something to get something. And all these different things and pretty soon you become a Christian and now you got to believe God. But you're so used to doing it that he'll get you in a works, works mentality. God wants to wean you off some of this stuff, right? What is vain? The word vain is something that's empty. It's something that's worthless. It's something that has no purpose. I'm telling you, video games are destroying people because there's no purpose. They sit there and it grows from an hour. Can, am I saying you can't enjoy a video game? I'm not saying that. But you better be led because you don't want that thing to grow to where it's consuming your life and it's throwing you into an environment now. I had one man come and, young man come and tell me and he's like, I feel so awkward in, in my life. The only place I ever feel special is when I'm playing this game online because everybody thinks I'm awesome because I'm good at this game. And you feel like going, what is the purpose? There's no purpose. It steals purpose. Satan loves it. Anything that is not in the Bible, anything that does not align with God's principles is vain. Guys, you have such a short season. For you young people, you'll go, no, it's, it's not that short. Just, you're going to blink and look at me. Don't make fun of the way I look because you're going to blink and you're going to be as old as I am. Then you're going to blink again and you're going to go, oh my gosh. Right? And then you'll blink again and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. <laughs> that season's over and now I'm in eternity. It's quick. You don't have time. Anything that works in life is because it's God's idea. He is life. Now, you would say, well, of course we know that. No, people don't know that. They think, no, pastor, I'm going to do this. Okay. If you're doing it in your own strength, if you're doing it by yourself, you know what God calls it? He calls it nothing. You won't talk about it in eternity. It's nothing. But do the same thing in faith, and you'll talk about it all throughout eternity. Vain imaginations build a picture of our lives on the basis of something else other than God's word. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6 says this, For they that are after the flesh, the natural man, they do mind or they do give attention to the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the inward man, the things of the spirit. See, you could tell right where you're at. What are you paying attention to? What are you thinking about? If it's not the things of God and the purpose that God has for you on this earth, it will not fulfill you. It'll bring death. It'll never, ever cause increase in your life. It says here, for to be carnally minded is death. It can't produce life. If you think or pay attention to anything else other than I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, all things are possible to me who believes. 
If you think of anything else other than that, it's only death. Death is always a result of being carnally minded. But it says, but to be spiritually minded, to pay attention to the things of your spirit, the word of God, the the things of the spirit, it's life and peace. The carnal mind is dominated by vain imaginations. And here's the thing, you will look at people. You know, you'll get on the internet and you'll look at people that you think you want to be like, but you never can get there because you're thinking illogically. You'll, you'll go to the same movie five times because your, your vain imagination connects with it. And then you'll live in the, in the frustration that your life is going in an opposite way. See, here's the problem. Death is not always instant. Death is usually a process of corruption that takes you in a downward trend over years. The process is slow and it's so very hard to see. But here's the thing. The ability to eliminate vain imaginations and focus our life through the filter of God's word is critical to renewing our mind. This is so, so very important. Hallelujah. I have so much more. We're just going to have to talk about this next week. I'll leave you with this. This battle that we're talking about is in our, is in our mind. So we're going to have to talk about some of these things. We're going to talk about thoughts. We're going to talk about vain imaginations. We're going to talk about strongholds. And I'm telling you, the anointing breaks it all down. It's wonderful. This is your foundation. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, or which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. They that trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. Isn't that awesome? Trusting in the Lord means I not... I can't be moved. And and you know what it looks like? You know what the expression of this is? It's rest. It's where you've let go. I'm, I'm, I'm done trying to figure it out. I've already figured it out. God's got it. Well, well, no, what about the steps? Oh, I don't have to worry about that. The Holy Spirit will guide me right into it. But I already have it. So I'm gonna rest. I'm going to cease from my own works. I'm going to take all the pressure off myself. I'm going to cast all my cares on the Lord. What I'm facing right now, this sickness won't kill me. I'm coming out. I'm going over. This lack will not be in my life. My battle has an expiration date. Right? It does. And it's not, in, it's not three days from now. It's 2,000 years ago. The battle was fought and won 2,000 years ago. So now I could rest. I could go home tonight and sleep. Whatever I'm facing is no big deal to him because he's with me. He's concerned about me. He'll protect me. He'll provide for me. He'll deliver me. And he will bring it to pass in my life.